0: Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com, get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design.
1: It goes towards the planning. You'll ask one of those lessons learned. And, you know, I live by my calendar and that helps me from a business standpoint to block out time. And it's the same thing with my family. If you want to have a great wife, great relationship with your wife, you want to have a great relationship with your kids, just like you're going to be intentional about scheduling things for your business, you know, do the same thing with your kids. You know, schedule that time and plan that time. And that's not to take away from the spontaneity and make sure you have those amazing times together that just happen. But you know, set aside that time. Dory One, this is Fire Team Delta. dad's coming home. Welcome
0: to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 97. Guys, slowly but surely, we will get to episode 100. And slowly but surely, I will have something special for you on episode 100. And I do have it cooking up already. So with that, move on to the next topic. So this episode today is something like we haven't had before. We haven't had many major CEOs of a big apparel company on the podcast. And it's exactly what we have today. Today's guest is with Dean Wegner. Dean is the founder and CEO of Authentically American, a veteran-owned American-made apparel brand. They are a company that celebrates patriotism, believes in the American worker and honors our American heroes by intentionally donating 10% of profits to veteran and first responder charities. A West point graduate Dean served seven years as a helicopter pilot, an army ranger, and holds an MBA in finance from Cal state. Majority of his business and career was spent in business development, marketing, and strategy with Mars Incorporated and and gamble. His primary focus is on growth, team building and creating a winning culture. Dean is happily married to his bride of 25 years and they have four kids the youngest being adopted from Ethiopia dean is active in his church and has served on the board of several for-profit and non-profit companies and organizations guys that is just a brief highlight of what today's episode we so we go right into the weeds on this topic because what you can hear in dean's intro is he is a man full of hunger and ambition and we dive into what makes him hungry and what feeds his ambition and at the core of that is his faith and family and we go right into the weeds of what the struggles, the mistakes, and the missteps. And there is so much gold in this episode. If you are on the path to become the next Dean of the CEO of a company, there is so much wisdom that you can gather in the journey that is his life of the missteps and the priorities and how to make sure that you're set up for success to make sure that you become the CEO of exactly where you wanna be and to be the person in charge of a company, but don't leave behind the people that matter most. So if you wanna know my biggest takeaways from this episode and here are a few other things coming up, check in with me on the other side of this episode. But without further ado, let's get started with Dean Wegner. Welcome to the podcast, Dean.
1: Ben, I appreciate the invite. It's an honor to
0: join you. We don't get many CEOs of an apparel company, but this is going to break the seal wide open on that. And I believe your story is going to break the seal open on a lot of different conversations of what False ceilings almost that we set in place for ourselves on the other side of transition. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your life. Tell us about your family and tell us maybe how you got to the point where you now own an apparel company.
1: Well, Ben, now you make me a little nervous talking about breaking the seals. So hopefully we don't disappoint and have a great lively discussion. I'm looking forward to it. So, just from a very high level, I always like when asked this question to highlight what's most important to me. And I start with my Christian faith. That's first and foremost to me. And then I wanna be a great husband. My wife and I have been married 26 years and we have four amazing kids, Ben. We have two daughters, 22 and 19. We have a 16 year old son and we also have a 10 year old son we adopted from Ethiopia. And I also am a veteran, was honored to graduate from West Point in 1993, went to flight school, learned how to fly helicopters, went to ranger school, served seven years active duty through 2000. And then mm-hmm. currently I'd mentioned I'm the CEO, the founder and CEO of Authentically American. We're a veteran-owned American-made premium apparel brand. Really looking, Ben, to build the next Nike or Under Armour, this iconic American brand, but have it all made here right in the US, helping create jobs.
0: Well, I got a question that I, when you were talking there, it was almost hit me like a right in the face kind of question. So. You seem like a man who's accomplished a lot. And anytime I see a person that's accomplished a lot, I see a person that has a hunger. And so I want to ask, when you joined West Point, what were you hunger, hungry for?
1: So I was very young, very immature back then, Ben. And West Point was a great experience for me to help me grow up. But in high school, I really had two motivations. You know, I was a hockey player. So one of my dreams in college was to play Division One hockey. And the other one was to go ahead and get the best possible education I could. And I knew about West Point, but I wasn't intimately familiar until the hockey coach called and said, Dean, how would you like to come to West Point? And I did a little research, Ben, and you know, there's so much incredible history there. But that same year was when West Point was ranked the number one college in the country. And I thought, wow, it's incredible to be able to have the opportunity to go to school like that. And then... When I'm honest, Ben, with who I am, I'm not a first line, second line center. I'm a third or fourth line grinder, you know, back to that work ethic and a lot of drive. So combining West Point with the incredible education coupled with the opportunity to play Division One hockey was a perfect fit for me. Yeah.
0: I appreciate that. Sorry, I had a small interruption with my daughter.
1: <laughs> well, this is right at home here. With the It focus is right on at home. There, dad, you so. can't have
0: a dad podcast without getting interrupted on
1: the dad podcast. Was that a staged one here Ben? Uh, <laughs> no, that was not a
0: staged one. That's a stay-at-home dad with your daughter out there trying to a four-year-old daughter trying to entertain herself.
1: She looks adorable.
0: <laughs> Don't the looks are defe- deceiving cuz she packs a wild spunk behind that adorable face. So I want to ask through that process you mentioned something that education was something important to you. That's not something everybody is ingrained with. So where did you get that initial insight to have that wisdom to seek an education?
1: I am so fortunate and blessed just my parents. It's interesting because they weren't ones that really said a lot, but really led by example. And just my dad was somebody that if you borrow a dollar from somebody, you give them back a dollar. He was just a man of his word, just an incredible man of character and integrity. And they just always reinforce the value of an education. And so that's where that really started. And I was very fortunate as well, lived in a suburb on the south side of Pittsburgh. And it was a great high school. I think it was somewhere around 99%, Ben, that went from high school to college. And some places I've found as we've moved all across the country and all around the world, sometimes the question is, what are you going to do after high school? And at our high school, that wasn't the question, was, well, which college are you going to? So I think those two, with a great upbringing with my parents, coupled with the high school and the great job they did, it was really a choice of where I'm going. So
0: let's fast forward a little bit with that advice. How have you used that wisdom to make sure that your kids are set up with the right framework and understanding of how to go into the world as good adults? Like, what are some principles that you made sure were part of your core teaching philosophies as a father?
1: Well, I think the big one is. My wife and I it sounds a little corny but it's something we believe in we want to be dream makers for our kids you know if they have a dream how do we help make them come true and we've tried to be so intentional about you know sharing perspective and I was a hockey player and my 16-year-old's a hockey player but it doesn't matter if he wants to play hockey my girls were soccer players if they want to play in the band they want to act my nine, 19-year-old daughter's going to be heading to culinary school so and it really doesn't matter what they want to do. I I really want them to find what they love, find what they're passionate for, because then it doesn't feel like work. And they pursue that. And we ended up having a very athletic family. You know, my kids, my older daughters were soccer players. My boys are hockey players. And I always reinforce being well-rounded. And when it comes to academics and athletics, I said, you're a student athlete. Notice which one comes first, the student. And God's given you a great mind. So the expectation is all A's and we're going to help you. And at the end of the day, what's most important is that you give everything you've got, you give it your best effort. But just reinforcing that, you know, you've got to be well rounded, you've got to get a great education and also find something you love outside of school.
0: How did you help them explore their curiosity? What did you guys go on a lot of vacations? Because often what I find with just my upbringing and after going to Okinawa and seeing the world. We just in most times when you go to school for twelve twelve years out of your life, you don't really have a wide view of even what's possible of like what your dreams can be. Most people have a very default view, and it's mostly from Capital One of what you can do with your money and a credit card. How did you help your kids understand the depth and the wit, the the view of what was possible?
1: Well, then I should have my wife Kelly sitting right here next to me because she's been the one that you know when they were young you know, to me, it was all about, you know, just trying a lot of different things. So, you know, our, our kids tried a number of different sports. So my boys, for example, they tried hockey, which they love, but they also tried baseball. They tried football. They tried soccer, tried all kinds of different sports. They tried, you know, some of the arts they tried, you know, theater. So it was just a broad mix. And again, it doesn't, to me, it really doesn't matter what they did. I just want them to find something they love. And like right now, Ben, I never envisioned this because this was not anything I planned, but my 22-year-old, she found she has a love for photography. She, Her dream would be to go ahead and own her own photography business. So I'm doing everything I can to help make that dream come true. My 19-year-old, phenomenal student. She had straight A's, but found out she didn't really like school and said, I don't want to go the traditional college route. And she really lights up in the kitchen. So this month, she's heading off to culinary school. So we want to help enable that dream. And my 16-year-old, he's now two inches taller than me, Ben. He's 6'2", and much, much better player than his dad. And his dream is to play in the NHL. So all the kids are pursuing different paths. And I think it was my wife, to her credit, just exposing them to so many different experiences across a broad spectrum to find out what they really love and what they're passionate about.
0: So what you're talking about isn't almost natural intuition and fatherhood. It's something you have to be exposed to. You have to something read about here in a podcast like this, because so much of daily fathering is trying to maintain control, trying to maintain discipline. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to get our kids to those points where they do be, they can really start sniffing out their curiosity and understanding what they're really passionate about. I can imagine your military experience helped you even, Magnify their ability to see because you started seeing the world, and then you can help gift that to other to your kids. Even in this case, how did you, what lessons from your military experience that could you were able to bring into fathering?
1: First of all, I was wondering where you were back in 1998 because it would have been helpful, you know, to have this podcast. Because you know, one of the things I didn't realize, you know, one entering into marriage and number two entering into being a dad. You know, my initial premise was, this is going to be easy. You know, with marriage, I thought, we're in love. It's going to be easy to have an amazing marriage. And, you know, like, kids are amazing. It's going to be easy being a dad. And it's the opposite. If you want to have a great marriage, if you want to have a great fatherhood, I mean, you got to be so intentional and really, you know, dedicate that time. So, you know, similar how I planned in the military, you know, that five-paragraph op order you know, the planning that goes into it. You know, we got a lot of that at West Point, got a lot of that in the army. And that has continued through with me in the business world. So, you know, one of the things that I've done with my kids, Ben, is every month when there were four of them, you know, we would have a very intentional daddy-daughter date or a boy's night out. So just like I booked a meeting at work, you know, that went on the calendar and I wouldn't miss it. And it's the same thing my wife and I, you know, to be able to spend that quality time together. So I think a lot of the discipline and planning and organization that the military helps indoctrinate you know, I transfer that, transfer that over into being a great father and a great dad.
0: And what you're talking about there, you didn't use the word too much, but I'll let, label it there is time, time and intention. Because what most dads, and it's almost like the fundamental part, like on your worst dad day, the, like you just feel like an absolute failure and you don't even deserve to get that title. The one golden rule that I've really learned and kind of leaned into is kids spell love t i m e. They don't spell it with the things that you did wrong, they don't spell it with the things that you bought them at Target. They spell it with the time that you actually invested in. For me, like it's I do it it's called 10 minutes together that I learned in the podcast a while back. And it's just spending 10 minutes playing trains. Like that 10 minutes is so intentional and it's something they are constantly always asking me for now. Of daddy, can I have 10 minutes? But that 10 minutes is all it takes to really make that small little deposit and say that you care, but also at the same time, this is where, and I'm sure you probably had to learn this balancing act. How many kids did you have while you were serving before you got out? So
1: We had one, you know, it was my oldest daughter. So we spent the last year in the army in Korea. So she was just born right before we went to Korea.
0: So what we don't know about when we are in the military and we get hooked on the mission stuff that we have to get done is the time that you're, taking from your family, you're borrowing like a credit card. And the part when you come back home, you have to repay that time and balance with interest. And many times we don't, and it just eventually goes bankrupt. There's only so much time you can borrow on a credit card, whether it be your marriage going bankrupt or your connection with your kids. I mean, there are so many dads that I've interviewed that they literally left the military because they knew they were not going to have a relationship with their kids if they continued on the path that they were on. Because they had they had borrowed so much time that there was only one way to go forward and it was to unplug and rewire the system.
1: Yeah, Ben, I'll tell you a quick story on a career change that relates to that four-letter word time and came out of the, you know, mouth of my oldest daughter back then she was 3. So, had gotten out of the army and the first job for me after the army was a former big five consulting firm, KPMG. And, you know, I have a lot of drive, a lot of ambition, was working hard. And one thing I didn't realize was in the consulting world, it was Monday through Friday every week. So I'd hop on a plane at 6 a.m. Monday morning and get back 6 o'clock Friday night. And I didn't give it much thought. I thought, hey, I'm quality time during the weekends and spending time. And it was really hit home. I came home one Friday night and we had some friends over for dinner. And I'm a proud dad, Ben, and she was three back then. And We had the little puzzle that we did, and it was a puzzle of the U.S. map. And I was like, hey, show her what all you know. Show the friends. So she said, well, here's Colorado where we live. Here's California where my cousin lives. And here's Texas where my daddy lives. And I'm like, oh, my. You know, if my daughter thinks I don't even live at home, it is time to make a change. And, you know, a few months later, went from KPMG to Procter & Gamble and, you know, led down the whole path we're on right now. But it was my... Oldest daughter's words there back to the time that really led to that career shift.
0: And what you're also speaking there is like when you talked about marriage and kids being easy, the part that they don't tell you in the advertising for any of it is that marriage shapes you and your kids shape you, and especially your kids, because your kids will find your weaknesses and they'll push those buttons. And any dad that gets triggered by anything that's going on in his world, they always tell you what you're triggered about says more about you than it does about your kids. They just figured out how to manipulate you and what gets you upset. And they're just exposing those raw areas that are still tender. And I, as when I'm coaching dads, I always tell them like, start there, start in that place where you're triggered and ask yourself why, because it has nothing to do with them. They just know how to use it. It has everything to do with how it makes you feel when that happens. And it's somehow connected back to some story, some BS that you've told yourself some trauma from your childhood, maybe. And you're not acknowledging some emotion there that keeps getting tender every time. When you fast forward a little bit further, how did you start like navigating your life and knowing you went from Procter & Gamble, and then now you have an apparel company? What did that process look like for you when you started asking bigger questions of what you could do for your life?
1: And it's interesting now, Ben, because I mentioned I'm an entrepreneur, and did not know that back then, but there were some small inklings of that entrepreneur spirit. Like for example, when I was at flight school and you know, in the army, one end, one spectrum of the army is the flight suit wearing aviator. On the opposite end then is the special forces rangers. In senior year at West Point, you choose a branch. And there were 18 different choices. So you can choose infantry, which is really the heart and soul of the army. You can choose armor, be with tanks, field artillery, all these combat arms. And then you can also choose some combat service support like transportation or finance or military police. And I was torn between infantry and aviation. You remember that movie Top Gun? So that was the thing that really led me down the path of aviation but I was really torn at flight school. Did I make the right decision? I was hearing some of my classmates that were in the infantry basic course. And at uh-huh. flight school, they said, made a big announcement, said, once in a lifetime opportunity, we're going to have a competition and send one of you to Ranger School. And then I thought, here's my chance to see how the other half lives. And I was very fortunate, won that competition and found out how miserable it was at Ranger School. And you know, most people said, Dean, you're crazy why in the world would you want to do that? And that was that first inkling of that entrepreneurial spirit that said, okay, I just want to do things a little bit differently. And that was one of the first points, Ben, where I found out a real affinity for the Marine Corps because at ranger school, you get a ranger buddy. And guess who my ranger buddy was? It was Marine Corps Infantry Sergeant Roy Backey. And just a great American and I had no business being a Ranger School, but he kept me motivated, kept me through, and it was by the sheer grace of God that made it straight through. Because on day one there were 340 of us, on graduation day there were 72. That's it. That's all that were there. So there were different examples all the way along throughout my career that we can dig into. But ultimately, when the decision made to launch a brand from scratch, it was really out of the desire, you know, to ultimately create jobs, make a difference, and if we're successful. Leaving a legacy.
0: Well, you hit that big word there, right at the last sentence there of legacy, because legacy wasn't something this podcast started with, but it's something we talk about regularly. And it's been the biggest epiphany for me as I talk to military dads is that so many military dads get hung up on their their legacy of their service. Why did my friend die and I lived? What did that mean? What did the whole thing mean? Like, what did it mean when I went over there? Like these questions that have no answers and they never switch to the legacy of family because that's really where you're making the generational change and i can already see it in your kids that your kids already understand a little bit of who they are and they understand it with the support and love of their parents that they can go out in the world and really make a dent and start changing it and the wegner legacy is going to be really strong and it's going to be multiple dents and it's going to be generational because that type of love and ingenuity and courage is something that is just going to make a wave in the world that that's what you want to do when you focus on legacy of family versus the legacy of service, which doesn't have any good answers and just the more questions you ask, the more of the pit that you're going to fall into of not feeling like a good dad either.
1: Well, then you hit home because that's where it really starts. I mean, that legacy, that impact you can have first and foremost is right at home. And if nothing else happens, if, if, I'm in my gravesite and my kids are standing there and they say he was a great dad. My dad loved me well. I mean, that would make all the difference in the world and that would be the most important legacy that I could ultimately leave.
0: And what you're also talking about there is the commitment and the priority. There was something that maybe like halfway through this podcast that hit me that there's very few commitments in life that go all the way to the end. And the two big ones are the commitment to your wife, which is to the end, and your kids. Now, your kids are going to betray you. They're going to leave your house, and you're going to be left with the original commitment to your wife, which is why she's always number one. And it's important to even symbolize to your kids that I love you kids, but my wife is more important to me because she's going to be here, and you're eventually going to leave me. But those two commitments are not reflected in all in a lot of our life choices. I know for me, the priorities at work, the commitments at work, all of those are temporary. And in my case, it was completely yanked away, and all of I could have sacrificed so much more time and been like, "Wow, what a pit of commitment hole that just, it, it ended up nowhere." But yet, your commitment to your kids is the one that's going to go for a long, long time. But we don't prioritize that method in our head because we just get it backwards. But it's really where you root into those priorities that you can start shifting where your true legacy is going to start coming from.
1: And Ben, that lifetime commitment you referenced, that lifetime commitment was reinforced to me when we adopted our youngest son in 2012 from Ethiopia because I made two trips over. The first one was to appear before the judge. And she looked at me and pointed and said, Mr. Wegner, I wanna make sure that you know, this is a lifetime commitment. You're not just adopting your son for the next year, the next five years. You are adopting him for a lifetime, and he will have the same birthrights as your biological kids. And it really hit home and reinforced that being a dad is not just a temporary short-term commitment. It's a lifetime.
0: And what you're also hitting there is leading your kids is something that continues lifelong. And there was a podcast guest, Rod Olson, that I had on. He's a basketball or a retired basketball coach turned leadership consultant. And he talked about these four C's of parenting and that eventually in that first phase, you're in the coaching phase from like zero to 18, where you're like helping them get to going. And then you move into like a consultant phase and eventually you move into the final phase, which is where you're... Coworkers, almost where they have kids and you understand each other like, Hey, now you get it. What all that crap was when I was, when you, you were kids that you didn't fully understand. Now you get it. And you can have those conversations and it never ends. It's, it's always there just has different seasons. And our kids are always looking to be led. And that's something that most dads don't engage with. We like what you mentioned, where you just recognize that being a provider was really all I needed. That's kind of like the default "leave it to Beaver" mindset of the the late night 20th century. That all we had to do was go to work, provide, and come home and read the paper and eat dinner, and that was all our responsibilities were. But now, as the world has shifted and our ability and capacity as humans to give more has shifted, like the ability and the impact we can have as fathers to our kids is is literally generational. But you got to show no up, no
1: doubt about it. And Ben, it brings to mind a book and how all kids are unique. Have you read the four love languages? Yep. Because I didn't believe it, but it gave me a great insight. For example, my oldest daughter, she is all about words of affirmation. If you give her a compliment, if you are very intentional about, you know, saying something about what she's doing. I mean, she just lights up. My 19 year old she is all about those gifts and even if they're small ones you bring something home and she just lights up when you give that and then my 16 year old my son he is all about that quality time and you know during covid one of the things we were able to do and we hadn't done before was golf that was just a couple hours out there together and it's you know as we start to understand our kids and like this podcast i'm hoping a lot of dads are being helped out by the advice and the coaching and perspective that you and your guests bring i mean that was a great book for me that says okay. Being an amazing dad is just not one boilerplate print. I mean, need to flex a little bit on how each one of the kids are going to be loved best.
0: And you have to kind of explore that curiosity with them and understand how they see the world because each of them sees the world differently. And they're already seeing it differently every day, especially even COVID times. Their personality is being shaped by all the events around them. And they're going to have different ways of receiving that love. And I want to point out something there that you've probably already noticed, or I I can reassure you that you've done it correctly with your daughters, is when you showed up in that intentional way of being a father, because to our daughters, we're their first love. And if we show up and model what that actual love should look like, we set the bar for every man that she's going to compare to bring into her life. Like If it doesn't measure up to dad, you don't have to worry about a shotgun at the door because she's going to know it. Because my dad set the bar extremely high. And if you're a dad at the shot with the shotgun at the door, you probably didn't set the bar very high. And the truth is that you're really worried who she's going to copy. But if you show up with such an example like you've talked about, like I can only imagine who she's going to find that is just like Dean Wagner.
1: Well, Ben, I'll tell you, it's a lot funnier story to <laughs> tell the shotgun stories. But I mean, I'd mentioned those daddy-daughter dates. And that was one to spend quality time, but also to say the men in your life, I mean, they need to treat you like a princess. And that meant me opening the door for them. That meant me, you know, just treating them well and talking about how boys should be treating them. And fortunately, you know, knock on wood and pray every day that, you know, they find the right man because that's another generational impact. And it starts early, giving them a role model for who should be that future man in their life.
0: And what you were practicing there on those daddy-daughter dates, and even with your son, sons, that when you show up for the little things, they'll trust you that they can bring you the big things. And just hearing like a problem at school, I'm sure those dates you talk about social issues at school, probably social media issues, like whatever whatever is on their heart, whatever is stressing them out, it's as real world to them as it is to you having a problem at work. Just being there. I've noticed that with my daughter when we do bedtime talk, that just being there intentionally listening to what playground issues there were talking to her about how she could redo them differently or different things like that. I can already feel it with different things. Like she trusts me and I trust her because we've practiced on the small things that I can only hope and pray as well, that when it's older and there's a boy issue, or maybe there's a real like conflict and she doesn't know how to do it. She's not going to internalize it as many teenagers do. And hopefully she feels safe enough with me to bring it to me so we can talk about it versus finding out in, in a bad way.
1: Absolutely. And that's probably one benefit. If I'm looking back on my being a dad. I need to be better at communicating because I love activities and I love creating those memorable experiences. So there was always dialogue and conversation, but it was never just, well, let's just sit here and talk. That's just not my DNA. So it was always, let's go out and do something fun, do something activity-wise that would leave the, a memory for each one of those occasions. But I think that would be one thing if I was to say, okay, if I was going to do daddy all over again, it would just be more engaging in that discussion and trying to have that right now with my youngest, my son Eskel, who we adopted from Ethiopia, who's only 10.
0: Let's focus on your sons for a little bit. In a world where masculinity, being a father, being a male, is kind of confusing, there is always different conversations trying to redefine it, there is different shaming going on with the whole different conversation. What did you do, and how did you help your kids understand what it meant to be a man in 2020?
1: Well, I'm still working. <laughs> still on that in the R and D
0: lab. I understand
1: it, it's never easy, and my boys are 16 and 10. But you know, it was almost the reverse because as you know, boys are growing up; they have an attraction for the opposite sex, and that's all natural. That's all wonderful. But it was the same discussion around Dylan. You know what? You have sisters. You have a mom. And you're a handsome young man and girls are going to be attracted to you. But, you know, how are you going to treat them is very important. And you treat everybody, especially, you know, girls that you're going to be dating with dignity and respect. And just try to reinforce those principles. And that's why I said it's still a lesson learned because they're 16 and 10. So long way to go on this boyhood to young adolescent to man journey. But just trying to instill those lessons at an early age.
0: Did you do any initiation at different ages?
1: Have not yet. And I've I've helped a couple of people with that. And that's probably another thing, Ben. I know there's different knighthood type things. And that's probably something when my son gets 18 that we may something go ahead and look to do.
0: My son's only six right now. I haven't officially figured out how it looks, especially I had probably had some ideas in my head, but I don't know what they look like with COVID in my head. But I've often thought just doing a one on one trip to like a different state. And just spending that intentional, like a weekend with them to at different ages, talk about the different things that they're struggling with and talk about, like often what I find that we do incorrectly as a society is we hide from the things that we don't want to acknowledge, but that just increases the curiosity. And same thing with like pornography, like not talking about it actually makes it worse. And having those open dialogues that this exists, this is how you need to be able to understand what it is and talking about it, creating that safe space that you can talk about it. Like those different things are things that I've, I'm looking forward to being able to initiate my son at different ages as he grows up to just understand what it means to be a kill and understand what that means as you grow up and being a man in 2020 to understand that the world is going to try to shape you in a way that you don't have to agree with. And as long as you know who you are in the inside, the world doesn't really have an opinion that matters no doubt about it that's something i've always worked with my daughters on or i don't work with them because they're still pretty young but i it's my kind of my my guiding star is that that she derives her value from herself not from instagram like that's my most basic way to describe it that you don't need 200 likes on something to love exactly <laughs> who you are and her brother calls her stupid often and i'm like after she gets upset about it i'm like well is it true are you stupid and she's like no and i'm like well your opinion of yourself is the one that matters and just remember that, that people are going to say things, but it doesn't automatically validate that it's true.
1: It is a constant battle, Ben, because that, you know, social media is so, you know, infiltrated into society. And too often kids do take some of their self-worth on how many people like their post or how many followers they have. And that's something that, you know, continuously work on with our kids that social media is a great thing. It's so much easier Go ahead and keep in touch. I remember back in the army days, back then back in the nineties, the updates you got from people were that annual Christmas card. You know, mm-hmm. they'd send a big long letter that included now you get that update. Now it's every day you get updates.
0: Let's do an exercise. Let's time travel all the way back. It's the very first day that you're a father, your daughter was just born and you could only give yourself a sticky note sized piece of advice. What would you want yourself to know way back then that you know now that maybe you wish you would have known a whole lot sooner?
1: You already touched on it, Ben, so I'm going to reinforce a point, and it is all about time. And I love that you highlighted just that 10 minutes because, you know, part of the thinking was, well, if I'm going to do these dates, they need to be big, they need to be elaborate, they need to be memorable. And so, yeah, some of the best dates we've had were like, dad, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to get on knees and play dolls, or I just want to build a Lego. And I'm like, that's it. That's all you want to do. And it was really just, you know, sitting down with them at their level and spending that time. So I don't really like four letter words, but that time is one that I love, especially when it's so intentional. And I think that's the one that, you know, I continue to remind myself and any dad out there is that is the scarcest commodity we have. There's only 24 hours in a day. And how you spend that time is a reflection of your priorities.
0: What about if you were reflected on the day, if you go back to the day you got married, what advice in your marriage would you wish you have known? Let's go a little bit further.
1: That was I a really good answer. Touched, so I want to
0: go a little bit further and see what you got. Yeah, I
1: touched on this, Ben, but you know there really was that fallacy. like Marriage is going to be easy. I love my wife. I mean, it's just going to be this incredibly honeymoon for the rest of our lives. And I wish I could say my wife and I never argued, never had a fight, never had challenges, but that's not real. I mean, there are too many stories that I like to say where there's arguments and fights, but I think, you know, marriage is not 50-50. I think at the end of the day, I think it roughly could be 50-50, but there may be some days, some weeks, some months, some years where it may be a rough time for me and my wife is leaning forward much more into me and helping me than I'm able to help her. But there are flip times where it's the reverse. And I think to really have an amazing marriage, it takes work. I mean, you've got to be so intentional about spending that time and I think that that was a big lesson that I did not know then that I know now. And anyone that asked, I absolutely share that if you want to have an amazing marriage, you got to be intentional about it. You got to work at it.
0: And it doesn't happen naturally. And it takes investment. It takes an understanding that like, I like what you, way you said that there's going to be years where each of you need each other in a different mode, especially when like you have new kids and there's babies, like that's just a different season of your life. And I think something we do incorrectly as Americans is because everything is microwavable in America. We just expect things to change quickly, but then we also get accepted that this is how it's always going to be. Like, I know early on you get those thoughts in your head, like, Oh man, did I, am I ever going to sleep again and get a good night's sleep? And you just accept the permanence of that. And I feel so many marriages are ended in America because we don't understand that every marriage has a different season and they're always shaping us to do different things. But those seasons are meant to be part of the process. And a commitment to each other isn't just when it's good and rainbows and unicorns. It's in the hard times when you need each other to support. And maybe it's you being the oak tree for her to get through something that she's feeling. And those are things that we often need to remember in our head before we understand that. Or even just from a selfish point of view that like, oh, I don't feel like my wife loves me. So I should maybe try to find a different one. Like that's not the mindset that marriage is meant for.
1: And I'll tell you about just a small, funny example, but it seems so obvious back then, but it's an insight into my wife because this was when, you know, my last year in the army was in Korea and was assigned to Seoul. And I went over a month early and my wife took the 14 hour flight over and my one year old. At that point, doctor said, Hey, I'd recommend you give your daughter some Benadryl. 90% of the kids, it knocks them out, and she'll be asleep most of the flight. And what my wife didn't ask was about the other 10%. Because 10 of those 14 hours, Ben, you know, our one-year-old daughter was up and she was walking down the aisles. And my wife, I could see the moment she got off the plane, it was like, here, she handed <laughs> me and my daughter. And that was a lesson that when there's transition, we've been away. My wife needs a little space, you know, a little time to decompress. So Anytime we come back from a vacation, anytime we come back from a trip, I know she needs a little bit of that time. So that instance, you know, my daughter and I, we went, spent all afternoon at the playground. When we come home from vacation, we you know, I'll take the kids, we'll go grocery shopping. So she can just kind of transition and get that in and didn't realize that. But now that I understand it's a lot easier and that really gives her the time and helps her.
0: And we didn't talk about your deployments, but there's something that I've learned through this podcast. So I didn't have a family when I was in the military. I've learned it through this podcast and talking to awesome dads like you is that when you come home and you got, you almost instantly had a billboard telling exactly what she needed. But a lot of times, especially from like war, you have that honeymoon phase where you have that movie moment where everybody's excited and happy and they're hugging each other and everybody's crying because you came home from war. But then the honeymoon phase ends and you've got to figure out how to reintegrate. Curiosity is something that I always tell dads in coaching that If you want to understand how to get back, connect with your wife, you have to first understand what life was like while you're gone. And you can't use it from a judgment. She doesn't need advice. She doesn't need you to solve the problems. She just needs you to hear all the things that were heavy on her heart while you were gone. Same thing with your kids. Like, did you miss out a boyfriend issue that you weren't there to help her through? All of that curiosity builds that empathy. And I kind of call it an empathy bridge. And once you have that bridge of empathy, then you can kind of rebuild and go back forward together at the same space. But otherwise, if you don't know where each other's are mentally, what life was like, like it's very difficult to find a footing to take forward at the same pace and spot in life.
1: And Ben, I'm not as good, not nearly as good as I need to be at that, because I am a problem solver. When there's a problem, I don't want to talk about it, I want to fix it. And I learned this lesson the hard way a few times that sometimes the best thing is just listen and empathize and nod your head and give a hug and you know, sigh a little bit and just be part of it. And she, I find out she doesn't want a solution. She just wants somebody to love, love her and be there and listen to her and know that I care for her and support her. and want to listen to her.
0: There's a principle that a friend of mine gave me that it's very difficult advice to implement sometimes, but it's still the golden rule for me is you can't love your wife and be right at the same time. And oftentimes when we're trying to provide advice, we are trying to be right. We're trying to show that we have the right answer, that we are smart but that's not how you can love her in that moment. Because when we do prove that we're right, we somehow devalued her view and that's not what she needs. She needs to understand that how she sees it is how she sees it. And you still love her despite whatever she brought you. And I always tell myself that anytime, like I hear myself trying to be right, like I can't love her and be right at the same time.
1: <laughs> I'm going to steal that one, Ben. I need to borrow that one. Cause that's it.
0: <laughs> get a t-shirt made on it. Cause it's advice <laughs> that needs to be repeated. Cause so many dads get sucked up in the arguing phase. Like, you can't argue be right and love her at the same time. Because if you're right, then she had to be lowered down a little bit from that po- point where you love. We make
1: her. a, and we're an apparel brand, and we make a lot of t-shirts, Ben. So that may be a future one <laughs> we come out with.
0: Maybe we do a military veteran dad special edition. Let's do it. Well, Dean, this episode has been absolutely awesome. I love talking about. We talked about so many different things that there isn't a little bit for every dad in this no matter, what season of life that you are in. I think I know this answer, but I wanna give you a stage to just leave something with us. What's sure. a parting piece of advice you wanna make sure every dad knows? I know we talked about time. What's something like, if you just cut through all the bullshit in our head right now, what do we need to hear to be the best dad?
1: I think it is all about time, but Ben, I think it goes towards the planning. You'll ask one of those lessons learned and you know I live by my calendar. And that helps me from a business standpoint to block out time. And it's the same thing with my family. If you want to have a great wife, great relationship with your wife, you want to have a great relationship with your kids, just like you're going to be intentional about scheduling things for your business, you know, do the same thing with your kids. You know, schedule that time and plan that time. And that's not to take away from the spontaneity and make sure you have those amazing times together that just happened. But, you know, set aside that time.
0: What that reminds me of some advice I got well before it was maybe like six or seven years ago is to do a calendar audit. Cause when we talk about priorities, like your calendar will reveal your priorities uh-huh. and there's a cloison that I like to say when it comes to scheduling your time, cause that's something I use for time management as well. Schedule your time. Like you budget, your money, if you give your time a job, just like your money and a budget, It'll go exactly where you want it to. But oh, if you yeah. don't, someone will take it. And you know this running a business that if you don't have it blocked off in your calendar, someone will find that empty slot and send you a meeting there. And so then whatever work you thought you could get done is gone because someone took your 30 minutes for a meeting. So make it intentional where your time goes, just like you do when, you do, when you're in your budget for money.
1: Absolutely. I think
0: that makes perfect sense. Where is the best place to get a hold of American Apparel and follow more about you, Dean?
1: So again, Authentically American, Ben, we're a veteran-owned, American-made premium apparel brand, and we're really looking to build the next Nike or Armour, this iconic American brand, but have it all made here in the U.S. And the best place to go, Ben, is our website. Go to authenticallyamerican.us, authenticallyamerican.us. You can also visit any social media channel, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, learn more about us. And I always make myself available, Ben. Back to priorities and making a choice. So LinkedIn's an easy way to connect with me. And if you've got something I can do to help you out, any one of your listens, listeners, anyone in the audience, happy to do that. So easy to get a hold of me. But again, authenticallyAmerican.us.
0: I appreciate that, and I'll include all of those show the, all those links in the show notes for people to see more about it. And I'll also include some Fox News interviews that you did that were really intentional in explaining exactly your goals, ambitions, and just kind of the energy and get to see you in person and not just the audio of what it's like to be in front of Dean Wagner.
1: Yeah. Let me do this too, Ben, because I have not found anyone that is going to buy from us just because we're American made. We're a consumer brand and we have to deliver an amazing product experience. So I'll send this to you, but if you can include this in the show notes that a discount code founder, you know, F-O-U-N-D-E-R will be good for 25% off. And I love it when people have an opportunity, you know, for the very first time, Ben, to go ahead and experience our product. And if we've got a couple minutes, I'll, I'll do a quick kindergarten style show and tell. Okay. Have you seen or heard about our sweat activated print innovation?
0: Sweat activated? No, I've not.
1: Yep. So I wish we were here in person. This is the only thing we're missing out because I'll narrate since this is all audio, but I'm wearing up a t-shirt and it's a great t-shirt and I wish Ben, you could be here to feel it because it's incredibly soft the print is all water-based so it's not that heavy plastisol ink that on a hot summer's day it will go ahead and stick to your chest after you wash a couple times it will crack and of course everything we do is tagless and it's american made and this one is a t-shirt Ben that is very important to me because it's all about go army it's a west point t-shirt and at west point it's all about go army beat navy so i don't have time to sweat but I've got a little spray bottle here. So we're going to simulate that you're sweating. And what just appeared, Ben?
0: Navy. Beat or, Navy. Beat Navy.
1: Yep. Beat Navy. And then if you look on the back here, it's even better. There's that vintage US flag. And I feel like see- I'm watching
0: an infomercial. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: And he's giving yes. a demonstration of making a stain go away with OxyClean.
1: <laughs> I like this, Ben, because this has been a home run for us. And people say, Dean, forget where it's made. It's just an amazing product. And that's what we want to deliver, whether it's the T-shirt that I just showed you or the polo I'm wearing, or you'd mentioned Fox and Friends. I mean, these patriotic red and white stripes, blue and white stars, you know, we're the number one seller on Fox and Friends. We just need to deliver an amazing product experience. And that was just one example where people say, Dean, forget where it's made. It's just an, Ameri- it's just an amazing product. And they look at the tag and see that it's an American made. And then they go to our website, learn about our story, learn about our ethos that's where we really start to become people's new favorite brand.
0: Kind of reminds me of uh, Zappos. I was reading up about Zappos and how they became the number one online shoe reseller and how they got Amazon to buy them by just absurdly focused on shoes and being able to be the number one in customer service. Like that was their primary goal. All the other stuff was secondary. So, and people responded, people love Zappos shoes. I where I buy my shoes online as well. So it's some of that simple stuff that we don't acknowledge. And so I'm, just, I'm and that is pretty cool watching that shirt transform. I've never quite seen something like that before.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. And now we've been we've done hundreds and hundreds of custom designs for other colleges and high schools for you know sports teams and fitness centers and charities just across the board.
0: And there was something when you said the 25%, I was thinking of, so in the Midwest, we have Kohl's here, like everywhere. And oh, yeah? that's almost near the 30%, which is like the home ticket uh, <laughs> for Kohl's. Like that's a jackpot when you get 25%. And I mean, you get 25% of Kohl's just for returning an Amazon package there. So
1: oh wow, it's a really
0: good discount. So I'm really excited that you offered that for, and I appreciate that. I'll well, definitely 100%. make sure we include that in the show notes as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, Ben.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. I honored to be able to share this hour of my time with you and hopefully the listeners got something out of this. I know they did based on the feedback that I get from other episodes. So I appreciate you spending your time with
1: us today. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you so much. And there's very few things more important in life than being an amazing dad.
0: Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this episode. I really hope you got out as much of, out of this episode as I did Because even now listening to it twice, the original and the prepping of this episode, this episode still hit me in ways that I wasn't expecting. Like a lot of our podcast episodes, sometimes they take once or twice to really have that wisdom that's shared by the guest that's talking, to have it reach where it needs to in our heart. Because like I often say, our ego is one of those things that protects us from hearing the things that we want to grow with. But at the same time, our ego is one of those things we need to turn off so we can receive some of this wisdom. And this episode was not any exception. I think what I loved about this episode most was the redefining what we always talk about in this podcast is time and intention. Because guys, that is so important. If that hasn't been a big theme, if you've been a long time listener picking up throughout this podcast, how you invest your time, how you make sure that the moments you want to happen, happen. If you want something to get scheduled, what gets scheduled gets done. And that was solidified with Dean's advice about making sure you've got time on your calendar for those dates with your kids, with your wife. And if you want that trip on vacation, make sure you put it on the calendar. Something that I used to do when I had a job was in January, I would try to book all of my vacation throughout the year. Because what happens when you do it in January is everything seems possible. There is no project in September. There is no project in June or July, most likely. That you know about. And if there is, you can easily schedule around it because it hasn't started stressing you out yet. And so you're like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do a week there. I can do a week here. And I can do a week there, or maybe a, a long weekend here. And by doing in January, there's this crazy phenomenon that happens is you actually run into your vacation and you're like, oh man, I got a vacation coming up. I got to work around it and make sure I can make sure that happens. But let me tell you what happens when you don't schedule your vacation in June. When you or January, when you don't schedule your vacation in January. Your vacation runs into work and every week, say like, let's go time travel to May 15th. It's not corona, and the world is wide open, and you've got like the whole summer in front of you, and your wife comes up to you, like, hey, let's go away for a week in June, right after the kids get out of school. And you look at your calendar, be like, I don't think I can do it. This work is just way too much, and I'm just way overwhelmed at work. I don't think we can fit it in right now. Your work just ran into your vacation. And you most likely probably won't go on vacation, to be honest. I I used to do the exact same thing. But if your vacation is already on the calendar, your wife's already been prepping, you've been leading up to getting excited about it, and your mind at work has already been working around it versus the other way where you're trying to fit vacation into work. It needs to be the other way of fitting your work around your vacation. So, Take that as a pro tip for trying to come home to your kids and make sure that you have an intentional year with your vacation because the worst case scenario is that you finish the year with many missed vacation opportunities, many missed long weekend opportunities and you cash out your vacation for money and you probably just end up buying things you didn't really need with it anyhow and you've lost another opportunity and another summer with your kids. So let this be a nice friendly warning to not let those summers go by because as a PSA that I've often given you only get 18 summers with your kids. I also loved when we talked about this, leading your family, like letting your life be an example for them to follow, but then also make sure they understand where you're leading them to. That's a key principle that even in business that a lot of CEOs and people at the top often miss is they get so focused on where the company needs to go. They forget to get the people excited about where we are going. And that was something that I was very evident on when I was listening to you, Dean. This brand is something that is awesome with everything around it. I went and checked it out. There's the demo that he did at the end of this with the shirt changing. That that was just like an infomercial. It was like a magic trick almost. So if you want to go check out Authentically American, check out. There is a link in the show notes for 25% off on his website. And it's just a great brand. And I loved getting connected with him. And I can't wait to do bigger things with him in the future because this, like many of my guests, is a friendship that's just getting started And I appreciate you listening to this episode and every episode, if you've been a long time listener, if this is your first one listening, I want to offer you a free course at freakdadcourse.com to have more friends in your life, because if you've been listening or whether this is your first time, friends is the one thing that changed my life forever. And when you have friends, you feel like you can do anything. So go check out freedadcourse.com. There's a five audio lesson course there. It's free of charge can download it on your iPhone and play it on your way to work. They're ten minute le- 10 minute lessons each. And those are some simple things to get more people and more connection in your life. So guys, with that, I am signing off. And as always, I will talk to you guys again on Friday.